Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight, after many travels and travails in the wine country of California, is Julian Rabbit Murdoch. I'm here, and I'm loaded for bear. And we also have with us, at least until The Witcher 2 finishes downloading, Troy Goodfellow. <laughs> that Witcher 2 is all downloaded. It came down pretty easily and smoothly for me. It did uh, eat up a lot of my uh, internet cap. Thanks, Canada, for screwing me there. Uh, but it's all downloaded and ready to go. I might even dig into it tonight. And I'm happy to be here because I'm with Julian again. I haven't been with Julian on a show in forever, and I missed it. Later, we're going to dance. We are. It's going to be hot. Uh, but only 3MA subscribers who can get behind our paywall will see that video. Uh, so tonight we're going to be looking at some troubled but promising games from last year that have received some major patches since we last discussed them. Uh, we're also going to be talking about, you know, what, what, what can be patched out of a game? How much improvement can you expect to see from a game in the months following release? And how much should you expect to see? So... Let's start with, um, I don't know, where do, you, where do you want to begin, Troy? Elemental or Civ? <sighs> Let's begin with Elemental, because I think it's a game that um, is certainly worth revisiting, and I think if it's an in-game you're interested in, what Stardock's doing, uh, it's worth taking a look at uh, how the patches have um, changed the game, what they thought was important, because it's kind of a weird, it's still a weird game and I still get a weird feeling when I play it, but I'm kind of liking the direction. I got to put in a couple of hours uh, today into it and got pretty far along. It's not a very difficult uh, game to move through. Um, have you seen the patch notes? Um, yeah, I've been, following, I've been following the patch notes. I should pull them up uh, here for the purposes of the show, just so I can refer to them. Uh, but yeah, I've been, it's, it's a saga I've been following, certainly, over the last few months. <laughs> I, right. I mean, this is a game that that basically wasn't playable until the first patch. At least, at least that was my experience, or maybe even the second or third patch. Isn't that right? Well, it was playable. It just wasn't any fun. Um. <laughs> well, it was, well, it, it, it was it wasn't playable for me at launch at all. Right. In that, it, yeah, that it, I could get to the loading screen and then it crashed to the desktop. Yeah, a lot of people did have um, some hardware problems uh, with the game when it came out, and it did crash a lot. Um, and, the first patch did uh, get rid of a lot of the conflicts there. And it's, you know, here I am, I, this is, I tweeted today, this is Elemental that brought this tweet up, you know, PC games that don't play well with Alt-Tab. I mean, come on, guys. It's a PC game. you got to work well with Alt-Tab. And they still haven't p- patched that out. Um, so it always strikes me as surprising. I still love PC games, considering how often there are, you know, hardware and software conflicts. And... Um, I didn't have any of the problems with Elemental that a lot of other people did, but I know you did, Julian. I mean, the question I have with a game like Elemental, um, which I have managed to put some time in since launch, once it was patched to being playable, my sense is that the community for this game is pretty small. I mean, it's not as niche as some of the games we talk about here, but it's certainly not probably as broad a base as something like the Civilization franchise. At what point does is there sort of a diminishing returns for a company to keep patching a game. I mean, you look at the patch notes, what they just released for Elemental. I mean, these are some reasonably substantial tweaks they're making to things like AI uh, at this point in the game. And how long has it been since release? 
Well, I kind of get I kind of get the feeling that they're really they're really playing for fallen enchantress. I think that's the the this is just the impression I'm getting. It's really you know founded on no hard evidence whatsoever. But fallen enchantress is the expansion that's coming out uh, next year. Right, and I get the sense that year. the hope is that that will mark some some sort of like it will be an opportunity to sort of relaunch the game, reintroduce it to people who might have been turned off by you know all the uh, Sturm und Drang right. uh, surrounding the original launch. So I, I think. If they're supporting this game really heavily right now, I think it's because, well, I mean, they kind of owe their community that, and they've got to be on their best behavior for when they roll the dice again with this game. Yeah, and the patches are really, um, they're our loyalty program. They are saying, well, you're not going to make you wait for the expansion. We're going to keep you playing this game and keep you interested in it. Um, and yeah, you could argue that you know, this is a lot of resources being diverted to this and not to Fallen Enchantress, and how much can you actually do before the expansion to really improve the game? Is this a good use of developer time? But um, Stardock was, this is an interesting position. It is a company that had so much community goodwill uh, that was almost squandered um, in the elemental release because it was such a botched launch, which... Uh, Mr. Wardell was good enough to come on the show and talk about uh, last year, um, wearing his hair shirt and admitting where he screwed up. But so these patches, I mean, they aren't constant. These aren't um, they aren't like every week. But this these steady uh, drip of patches to make the game keep people interested in the game, keep them hooked on the game, or at least saying, look, you can look forward to Fallen Enchantress being better than the original game. And here's what we're doing, and here's how we're changing the game as we go. If they're already doing some of this stuff for Fallen Enchantress anyway, it doesn't hurt, I guess, to wrap it up into the original game. It's not like, you know, the AI was going to stay crappy for the expansion. They're going to fix it for that anyway. So, so I mean, in that sense, really, these patches are as much development as fan service. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I, mean I don't think you can... The fan service is certainly a big part of it, um, because... It does take time to support and go through beta and get the beta reports and the patches and all of this. These aren't, you know, this isn't the labor-free development-only thing. Patches do take work uh, and do take away from development time. But yeah, I mean, there's, this just, there's certainly some development work going into this as well because the game does have to be in good shape for Fallen Enchantress, which is really, I think, you know, Stardock's chance to actually make this uh, game viable. Um, I think that they are... I think that Wardell still thinks, and I think Stardock still thinks, and I think Derek Paxton thinks, that this is actually a good franchise, that this is a good game series if they can just get the damn thing working and acceptable uh, to the masses. And I guess now's a good time to actually talk about the changes they put into um, Elemental. How much time did you have with it, Rob? I know you had some. You know, I mean, I've been tracking hours, but I would say, you know, since we decided this was going to be the topic, I'd say I've, I've logged, like, five or six hours in the game. And did you, had you played much Elemental before? You know, yeah, I had one of the, the few sort of... I had, I had a, I had a, I gave it a positive review. It was on the knife edge between, you know, positive and completely, you know, indifferent. Um, <laughs> wow, but, that's a raging endorsement for Mr. Zachney. <laughs> well, I, I mean, um, right off you're, the border of indifference. Yeah, I remember your, your, I remember your review. Your review was one of the more positive leading reviews. 
you know, part part of that was, I mean, I looked at it, I, I saw a lot of potential, and I, I got a real kick out of, um, I got I got a big kick out of customizing my units, customizing my factions, sort of, um, you know, playing with the sort of sandboxy tools that Elemental gives you. Mm-hmm. My frustration, my frustrations were many. There, you know, I never got the sense that this was all in the service of a particularly good strategy game, and I thought the the pacing was deadly. Uh, but but I was hoping some of these things would be would be alleviated with patching. Uh, but you know, at at the time of launch, I was definitely it exceeded my expectations, and I and I enjoyed, you know, the way that I could sort of tailor my faction around what I wanted to do. And has the latest patch uh, and all the constant improvements since then have you they uh, helped your impression of the game? Not really. Not as much. Not nearly <laughs> as much. <laughs> You know, I mean, this is this was the thing. This is one of those. Um, this is one of those shows that, you know, I have the idea for the topic, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have lots of interesting things to say because so much has changed, and it's kind of been disappointing how much my views haven't changed, even despite the heroic patch patchwork going on. Um, I don't know, like right, right, you know, right off the bat, I think. I might even be a little more impatient than I was back when when the game first came out. The pacing really grates grates with me. I think it I think it is a very slow game. Um, it takes far too long for interesting things to start happening, and they don't keep happening at at, at enough of a pace. It just there, I I find that I get into some really long valleys where I'm just kind of you know. Building city upgrades, waiting for something to happen, uh, but not really. You know, there's not a lot keeping me engaged. Uh, you know, I mean, Troy. I mean, what was what was your what was your opinion? Well, I mean, I can see the changes they've made, and I can see that th- there have been a lot of pretty important improvements here. I mean, the AI is certainly better at the things the AI is supposed to be doing. It's better at using magic intelligently. You know, it can actually heal units right. Uh, you're less likely to find, you know, the enemy king wandering around the wilderness by himself, or you can kill him with a giant spider. Um, you know, kind of just bone stupid things that the AI was prone to have happen. Even in the later, even in the 1.2 patch, which was, I guess, the 1.1 patch, which was just ridiculously large. Um, and they still had that problem. Um, and I'm actually finding the pacing improved quite a bit. I think a lot of that is a bit of sleight of hand with the UI, uh, which has been noticeably improved. Um, certain things in the magic system, and not having you pursue you know, magic down a blind alley. Um, it, is, it is certainly a better game. Um, I don't think it has a lot of the problem. A lot of the issues. I think Elemental's problems are bigger than stuff you can fix with the mechanics. I mean, these are there's, it's really Elemental's biggest problems are beyond mechanics, and we've talked about that uh, before. That is really about you know it doesn't let you make that mental leap where you feel like you're in a fantasy world. Um, it just doesn't have that coherent feel to it. Um, but I'm actually liking the direction uh, that it's taking mechanics-wise. Um, I just small things like, um, for example, changing how armor is working according to the. the the patch notes, you know, in combat, you'll actually be doing some damage sometimes. You're not going to always be rolling a zero uh, on damage hits. Um, the uh, spell systems, you know, how all spells, since all spells are capped at level five, you know, they're not going to say, look, you can't just research this anymore. You've got to stop. Um, this is one of these game 
things that should have been patched out to begin with. It should not have been there where you can keep researching a level of a spell that doesn't exist. Um, this goes back to a problem Elemental had where, you know, you couldn't outfit soldiers properly for some reason, or you couldn't, you couldn't trade uh, uh, weapons with your companions or something like that. I forget exactly what the problem was. But, you know, it's a basic, you know, duh, why didn't we think of this? Right. Uh, type problem. And I think the fewer of those that there are, the more Elemental feels like a complete game. And I think that, you know, as the, as the AI is better, and because you actually do have to go and find and make things happen, things aren't just going to wander towards you, there's a bit more agency involved. You know, the, the king, your enemy king's not going to come roaming into your land for you to kill him. So you have to go and find him. And this puts a little more pressure on you to expand, for you to look for the enemy, for you to build yourself up, instead of them just stumbling um, into you. And I think that's um, actually a big, a good step forward. Um, it still doesn't feel like a real world, uh, or even a good fantasy world. But I, I, I'm actually liking the way that it's going. You know, when I was when I was playing it, something, something dawned on me. You know, playing it, playing it alongside Civ, and you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about like, you know, why Civ works lately. Um, oh, do you think Civ works lately? No, no, just you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just been on mine. I had, to, I, had, I had to write a piece for GamePro, like why, why does why does Civ keep working? Right. Um, as opposed to something like Elemental, where I, where I run problems with Elemental is just it, it it becomes a conceptual issue where Civilization. I I kind of understand how what the strategies are that are available to me. I kind of understand. You know how to how to follow the the research paths and how that's going to dovetail with the military aspect. You know, I kind of see the way the the pieces fit, mm-hmm. and it could be because I've been playing variants on this game for years and years. It could also be, you know, it's probably a combination of that and the fact that that Civ has this you know intuitiveness that that really works in its favor. But where I run into problems with with Elemental is, you know, with with that tech tree, I still feel like I'm sort of Pursuing it blindly, just sort of grabbing at whatever sounds interesting right now. You know, oh, I, you know, I, yeah, I could definitely use some, you know, farm farm upgrades. I'll research that. A farming guild sounds perfect, but I'm not really. I never have this this. I never really have the satisfaction of feeling like I'm really employing a successful strategy. And maybe that's the sort of thing that would come with more time with Elemental and more playthroughs of of the game. But the problem is that that's kind of integral to how I enjoy games like this and I'm just not quite getting there and I think a part of that is you know as you say it's it's not a particularly well-defined world where if you compare it to like Alpha Centauri which kind of holds your hand and tells you what's going on you know oh here's here's why you're researching this tech here's what it does here's a, you know it adds flavor mm-hmm. and also gives you a, gives you a sense of of what you're achieving with elemental you know Okay, my guys, my guys have armor and swords now. Great, uh, they've got better, they've got better armor and swords. But it's it's all kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, that's you know that's that's a that's a. Well, we could we could spend an entire show on why Alpha Centauri worked. I mean, it's really yeah. it's, I mean, it's let's do Alpha that. Cent- Can we do that? I'd love we to abs- do that. We absolutely should do that. We should get uh, Brian Reynolds on the show. Get to Brian talk about on it. and not talk about social gaming. Yeah, we can talk about why Alpha Story works. I think the reason why Alpha Satori works, uh, if you want to say it's a fantastical world and um, Elemental War of Magic doesn't, is because 
Alpha Centauri has has archetypal characters. It has the warrior. It has the priest. It has the moneymaker. It has the scientist. Um, so it has these archetypal roles that all the mytho- all the mythos plugs into. Um, I can't tell you what the difference between the Craxus and the Magnar are. I think one has a black backdrop and one doesn't on the yeah. diplomacy screen. Yeah, I think that, and you know, the, the, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I know that you know Wardell didn't want to have a game with you know hobbits and elves and dwarfs, but you know, when you're playing with hobbits and elves and dwarfs, people kind of know what hobbits, elves, and dwarfs do. Exactly. Uh, because years of gaming have primed us to accept what those are. And you can deviate from that. You say, well, these are different kinds of elves. And, you know, Bioware has tried to do a little bit of that in Dragon Age, though not entirely well. Um, that you, These aren't your gram- grandma's elves, but they're still elves. Um, so you have expectations. You can bring to them what they look like, what they do. And if, even if the game upsets them a little bit, you at least have a grounding. Uh, these are all human-like characters. Um, different types of kingdoms, and you can marry the families, but the families aren't really connected, because if you die, that's it. You are your sovereign. It's not like any other games that have marriages and the family line continues. So it doesn't even play well as a medieval strategy game, because that very important part of diplomacy is just so far out there. Um, there are a lot of reasons. A lot of the elemental world doesn't work, and part of it is because the, the mechanics uh, don't necessarily lend themselves to being first a unique part of the world, um, they've gotten better at that with the whole with improving in the last great big patch. You know how shards worked to making it more clear why the elemental shards were tied to your magic. That was pretty unclear to me for a long time, um, and that's finally a lot more clear into when you can research them and how and how they make you more powerful. Blah blah blah, um, making magic more useful and so you can't. So it's more fun to use magic. The big problem with elemental. Um, at launch was you never had to use magic. You could just build a huge army and just go kick some ass. It was, it was an elemental war. You could just take off the of magic at the end because it was irrelevant. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, it's... so. But they've gotten better at that and bringing the magic back in. And I know that uh, Derek Paxton wants to bring more of the world in to Fallen Enchantress um, to tell the story, the backstory, which he really likes, you know, as a storyteller, which he is. Um, he actually thinks there's some, some real good strategy gaming design in the story. But the trick is, can he bring it to bear? And no, this patch hasn't done that yet. It's a good patch, it's a big patch, and I like it. Um, I like the game much better than I did with this patch. Um, it's still not a game I'm going to be going back and playing a lot of. Um, mostly because I have played so few games in the last month, it's ridiculous how few games I've actually played. It's been all Dungeon Crawl and some Civ and hopefully some Witcher 2. Oh, and some F1, which I really, really suck at that, by the way. <laughs> uh, this is F1 2010? Yeah, I suck at that, dude. That's totally that. a strategy game. I've look, It's all Zachney and Jen Cutter's fault for getting me interested in F1 racing. I downloaded the game. Oh my god, I suck at it. Okay. So We're doing an F1 show, by the way. That's just, that's a promise. You're doing an F1 show? Well, you can find a strategy and go right ahead or have your own racing show. Um, so I've played so few games, and I can't say I'm going to be going back and playing more Elemental. But I can say that this patch does have me looking forward to Fallen Enchantress um, very much. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm, where I'm coming down to. It's... You know, I just I, I need to see I need to see more character in that world. Uh, you know, something to to make me care about it more than than the game you know presently contains. 
mm-hmm. and that's you know that that might be the most the most desperately needed fix. Um, though I don't know for for me, I think you know I just I kind of want I, I you know the the big thing that that I find lacking is um, you know I just really want those tactical battles to be a little more fun than they are. I want yeah. army construction to be a little. <sighs> Again, a pacing issue. You start by building, you know, singles of given troops, and then you're, you know, building squads and, you know, you know, big mobs of them. And it just it takes too long to begin fielding anything that feels respectable or powerful. And it just that that all needs to be, I think, simplified and sped up. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's the direction the game's going to take. The other the other game we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Civ Five, uh, which has also had some major patching. So, so Troy, you know, before the show, you mentioned that you had you basically uh, sacrificed your la- last weekend on the altar of Civ. Um, I played a lot of Civ <laughs> on the last weekend. Um, mostly because I finally had some time. I had a really relaxing weekend. Uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to after I did some work, and then I thought I'm going to go play some Civ um, and really get into you know the update and which made some changes to the tactical AI and. See if the Danes and Vikings are any fun to play with, because um, I have all the DLC. Because I'm that kind of person. Because you're that kind of guy. Yes, you're yeah, that guy. I'm that guy who will get every single sieve um, as long as he can, no matter well, how. I, I mean, I, I have played. I did actually manage to play some of the latest patch, and mm-hmm. I, I had skipped. I think the patch previously, so this was sort of like a double patch for me. Okay. And in my sense, was wow, the game actually learned how to play. I mean, uh-huh. the combination of the last two patches, like it actually provided some actual tactical uh, competition now. Expand now? on that. Well, like, like I, I didn't see as many stupid mistakes as I used to see, right? Like, I mean, it stopped doing things like sending one unit over the hill over and over and over again, only to be slaughtered up against the walls of my, you know, massive encampments. I mean, it, it seemed to start making smarter moves about what units to send where, about whether or not to use a general and keeping the general in range so that he was actually useful. I mean, those all seem to be... I, I noticed three or four things immediately. No, well, it still wasn't like phenomenally challenging. I didn't feel like I was playing squad leader or anything like that. But it did seem like I was now not playing the world's dumbest human. <laughs> a, yeah. a, a title for which I am often nominated. I know, but well, so so when was the last time you put you put serious? I'm trying to get a sense of of which patches you played with. So so the last time I, the last time I played was pro- last time I put any real time into it was probably early. God, maybe five months ago, maybe like right around the turn of the year. Yeah, because I, I went back and I looked looked at the game in December, and there, there'd been one major patch, I think, by that point. Uh, and, and I and, did play after that patch. We talked about that patch on the show, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was so I, that's where I saw the most the most noticeable improvement. Um, here, I you know, I had a harder time spotting the improvements and. I had the bad luck to end up playing on a really water-heavy map, and I'm not sure they've gotten the AI all straightened out when it's near water. I saw I saw just a lot of a lot of weird, weird stuff, like you know I'm I'm fighting my way up this uh, peninsula against against the Greeks, and they've got enough troops they've got enough troops that they could like 
you know, hold a good defensive line. It's it's rocky terrain. I've got knights and catapults. Like if they just hold up in these forested hills, they they'd probably they could probably ride it out. And for reasons known only to him and his bad programmer, uh, Alexander's troops just started booking it on transports, and they'd sail out, and they'd get shot up by my triremes, and then they'd la- like land a turn later, how, pretty how much convenient. in the same spot. Yeah, I mean, it made it. It made it. You know, it was it was like a Dunkirk in double reverse, right? Where the British sail out and then come back to get their asses kicked. <laughs> um, so th- that was that was frustrating. The the AI seemed to do like whenever whenever water was nearby, I was seeing the AI pull some very weird stuff with its units. Well, one thing with the with the AI, and this has been a problem um, all the way through, is. It will move its units for no reason. Uh, it likes to keep the unit, unless the unit's in a city, it will tend to move it if it's in the field, uh, and not always intelligently. It, they very rarely will just sit there in a strong fortified position and force you to take them out. Um, the AI likes movement. Now, part of this is because um, of the one unit per hex idea. That you know, if you want to jostle your troops, you have, right. can't just put them all in a right. stack. So you're going to end up having to move some around, and it's not always going to be convenient. Um, the AI doesn't really have a plan. It will. I mean, Julian's right. There are some noticeable improvements in the tactical AI. It will. You know, uh, it is certainly a lot less likely to put a catapult or archer on the front lines. It still will, but it's a lot less likely. Um, but it certainly will make these problems when it has to move, you know, four or five different units on a very small front. It will shift them out in unusual ways just to get what it thinks is an advantage in a very small area. If it has if it's trying to if it has sees a chance of winning a battle by moving one unit, it will move five units just to get that one unit to win that one battle, no matter what happens to the rest of the four units. Uh, it doesn't think in a coherent idea that this is an army, how many soldiers will I lose if I move them like this? It's, can I win this first battle I'm thinking about? Yes, but I have to do this first. And it does all that, and it uh, screws things up. And I think that's part of the problem with the tactical AI, that it doesn't... When you were thinking in terms of stacks, it wasn't a big problem, because there were all odds on the stack. And so, I wanted to think about odds on different fronts, and I think that is part of the... Like, that's what's going on. So can I can I propose a radical idea for Civ? I mean, if we're going to reinvent the game here to make it perfect, I get the whole let's not let people stack up, you know, archers and catapults and cavalrymen and tanks all together, right? I mean, that was always somewhat slightly ridiculous. Yep. But what if they just went to sort of a more traditional sort of chit convention where you can say stack as many infantry as you wanted in a given space? Do you think that would substantially change the game, where you could at least amass enforce a unit type? Would that be a, a you know a happy medium between the old model and the new model? I'm not sure. I want to go back to the old model. I actually like the tactical uh, system quite a bit <laughs> as game design. Um, I think it made some makes the game much more interesting than it was. But it does but it does pose problems for the eye. Yes, it does seem to create as many problems as it solves sometimes. Well, I mean, I you know, I will I I will admit there are times that you know, you, you know, here I here I am like dinging the AI for its mistakes, mm-hmm. but there are times that I want to do something that seems pretty damn straightforward. 
and my units can't get out of the way. And uh, you know, I end up sort of discombobulating my troops because you know they're they're just they're just all in each other's way, and there's 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 no room for them for them to go anywhere. So I've got to somehow you know shift everyone you know break apart my formation just to move a catapult in the position to fire in a city. So so what we really need is a total war tactical zoom in. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> I don't no. know. For a second, that was sounding pretty awesome to me. Oh God, no, uh, no. The the total war like you you there's no way you could combine there's no way you can combine like a total war system with uh with a game like Civ I think and have it work it just th- that would be that'd be two games crashing into each other I I fail I I don't know there, there there's there's upsides and downsides with with the system I I think you know I mean I was launching amphibious assaults today and it is so different from the way it used to be where, you know, like, real estate to launch an attack was never an issue in Old Civ. If you could get the transport to that one unguarded square on their on their continent, you know, easy. You were done. Uh, because it was impossible to guard, like, long stretches of coast, and you could put so many units aboard transport. Now, like, if you're going to make a serious, like, you know, cross-channel assault or something, you've really got to sort of scout out, like, where are you going to land these troops? You know, like where you know what's their what's their path to the, to the city they're capturing? It, it just it creates, you know, moving a stack from point A to point B. That's very easy, and the stack can roll over everything. Trying to get your units to converge on an objective in the right order, boy, that's that's a lot trickier and a lot more interesting. It, you know, for all that it's frustrating at times, it's it's a hell of a lot more rewarding. It's just you know, I, I kind of wish the AI could do the job better, but that's you know that's that's a common complaint. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, can, I can see that, um, which is why it's kind of interesting that, you know, the one of the, the newest Civ, the Danes, has this huge, you know, amphibious uh, bonus. They even get to move after they land, which helps quite and a bit. Yeah, I mean, that actually, the moving after you land thing solves a lot of these problems. Right. So that, that's a big step forward. How, how, how do you guys find the end game in, in you know, after, after these patches? Still pretty boring. Yeah, that's actually the part that doesn't seem to have changed at all, really. I mean, maybe I'm just an idiot. I mean, is there a substantial difference in the end game? I mean, most most Civ games to me end up is either a race for me to achieve a particular objective uh, or a foregone conclusion, and that doesn't seem to change. I don't know. I mean, the AI seems seems pretty cognizant of when it's going to lose the game, uh, unless it does something. Like, I see a lot more... 11th hour bloodletting um you know after these after these last couple patches than, than I did when the game was new I don't know I mean it's they they are and they aren't um I find that the AI will certainly uh it's certainly more aggressive in the end game but it's very rarely aggressive towards me uh I find it is still even with the patches the most recent one uh, and all the updates, you know, it will happily prey on his neighbors and take out its strongest rival. Um, but it won't; it still won't cross an ocean to come at me. Um, it won't create an alliance with, you know, a rival on my continent uh, so it can land troops and invade. Stuff you would see all the time in Civ Four. I mean, you would constantly have, you know, intercontinental invasions coming from, you know, the Mongolians and they come up through France because I'm at war because the French don't like me all that much or they like the Mongols more than they like me and they have to f- fight off an invasion that way. You still don't see that. And part of that is the whole naval thing. But I think a lot of it is the AI just 
has a very limited understanding of threat. And its idea of threat is, you know, what is beside me, um, especially when it comes right. to victory conditions. It still doesn't uh, do really well in technology victories. I mean, it will... Um, I was playing a game this weekend. Uh, I was the Iroquois, and Egypt uh, built the Apollo program before, it got, before I did. Like a good 10, 15 turns before I did. And I was kind of thought, oh my god, I'm going to lose a game uh, to the Egyptians in a science victory. But no, it decided to declare war on the Siamese instead, put all of its stuff in a war economy, built all these nuclear weapons, started bombing the hell out of the Siamese. And here Wait, I am. Use nukes? Oh yeah, it, it, was, it was using nukes. It was using nukes, and I, w- I didn't notice until I got the message that my I wasn't getting any more cotton or silk or ivory from the Siamese. I figured, what the hell? I just signed that treaty. Well, it's because the road system was all destroyed, and all the plantations were nukes. Oh, nice big orange glow. Uh, over Siam. Um, but here was a chance uh, for the AI to win a science victory and defeat me. It had a good lead, at least as far as building the rocket ship. Um, it could have, But it didn't build its first rocket part until I already had three going, and it had a lead in the Apollo program. So I don't think the AI quite understands that. I still don't know if it's going for cultural victories, if it even understands cultural victories. Uh, at least in the higher difficulty levels, it might in the lower ones. Oh, I, I, I have definitely, yeah, I've definitely seen the AI go, come very close to a. Oh no, I'm, th- I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about diplomatic victory. Nope, never yep. mind. Scratch yep. what I was thinking about cultural. Yeah, diplomatic victories. I've seen some of those. Uh, well, come pretty close, you know. Or I win the vote, you know, ten to I've never seven. Actually, I've never actually won a diplomatic victory in Civ Five. That's because you're not very nice. No, I I can't resist the urge to just bomb the shit out of people. I've actually <laughs> had that problem too, where I'm like, I'm gonna be, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna win a diplomatic victory. And I've won science, I've won culture, I've certainly won military, but I just just I I, I don't know. I'm just sort of disinterested. Well, eventually, you just have to like, you really just want to like, you know, belt one of these guys too. I just know. Gets, like, I am so sick of paying it's you like, money. Give me this. Give me that. And yeah. You just feel like saying, "Screw you. <coughs> eat this." Yeah, I hate. I'm 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 still not sold in the city states. You know, one of the things I I go yeah. back and forth on whether I like them or not. Yeah, <laughs> God, we, hate, we well we hate everything. We, we do. don't hate We're everything. We're just all black and bitter. Well, no, I I'm not going to say that because I'm going to say now how many hours have I put into Civ Five? Here is a. Do you want to hear a scary number? I'm not sure I do, but go for it. Two hundred and twenty-six hours. What the hell? Holy Troy? cow! In Civ Five, that's uh. That's now, to be fair, some of those hours are it being alt tabbed. Hey, this game plays well with alt tab, and it running in the background. So it's not always constant play. You know, I get interrupted. I get a phone call. I get away from it, and I leave it running. Or you know, my my Google window goes off. I decide to chat for a couple of hours, and then go back to Civ because you know it's Civ. I can go back to it. Um, so. Those are 226 all-play hours. Um, but yeah, Steam has counted 226 hours. That's God, doesn't, doesn't Steam have a tendency to lowball, too? No, I think just Steam's a liar. Um, but I mean, that's the game that I've easily played the most of. Um, now I've gotten a new computer uh, since I got a lot of these games, so, you know, it's... You compare that to something like... I mean, since I reinstalled Empire Total War, I've only put in 36 hours. That's since I, re- that's since I reinstalled it. So, yeah, I'm kind of... Kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I find these numbers kind of amazing, too. I'm, I'm, 
envious and terrified at the same time. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm kind of stupid. God, what do you even say? Edit that out. I sound like a real nerd. Edit that. It's gone. You've got to edit that. People at Evolve PR need to hear that. Most of this was before, so I won't okay. do any, any Evolve PR. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, I'll put in a good 90 hours in Witcher 2, I promise. Yeah, so you can play that for work. So, okay, so it, it doesn't sound like, you know, for for all the significant patching, and there's, there's a lot of things, you know, you know, in the movies, they say, you know, we'll fix it in editing. And I kind of feel in games, there's this, we'll fix it, you know, it, we'll fix it through patching. Um, it, it kind of feels like, you know, for all the improvements that we can see, our fundamental impressions aren't really changing of these games. And maybe we've just come to expect these kinds of patches, right? Like, like I remember when Civ Five came out. I was an apologist for the AI. I, I absolutely was. I was sitting here saying, yeah, but, you know, they always patch the AI in the first patch, right? I mean, I, I just truly expected it to get better at playing its own game. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe we should be harder on them. Like, I, I get that argument completely. I don't know that it's I, don't know that, it's that. Like, I, I, was, I, was, I was far more frustrated than you were than it came out, th- you know, than you were when it came out. And I was I was really happy to see to you know to to see a lot of these things sort of getting nailed down, but I but I guess I mean I don't know, like you like you had always I'd always sort of expected that, and I guess seeing these games sort of sort of turn into what I what I was kind of anticipating already, it doesn't it it doesn't create this this well this is this is a whole new experience it, you know it doesn't give me that feeling the way I, you know I honestly I was kind of hoping I I, would, I was kind of hoping I would have that reaction. Uh, you know, Inst- when I, when I thought instead of we just feel we just seem like entitled gamers. Oh, no, I mean, part of the problem is patches are small and iterative, so you're very rarely going to have a single patch that comes out and changes and transforms how you see and like a game. Um, there are going to be small changes here and there, and because they're often just small changes. I mean, tactical AI is a big change that they fixed, but you know, it's not like all of a sudden, you know, the AI is you know marching through Georgia and setting Good. fire to everything. So it's so the, the changes are relatively small. Um, and if you didn't read the patch notes, you could be excused for missing a lot of them. Um, so this whole iterative process of patching makes it hard, I think, for people to say, "Oh, the game is so so much better now than it was." And my opinions of Civilization V have been completely altered. Um, and you can see this in a lot of the reaction to the patches. You know, it's better than it was, blah, blah. But really, I think it takes something like a major change, like an expansion pack, um, or for a game to not have a patch for six, eight months, and then something come out, in order for people's opinions to really, really change, and their impressions to change about a game. I can't think of the last game, or I can, the last game where a patch completely and utterly transformed how much I enjoyed it, and that was uh, the Crusader Kings beta patch uh, that came out after a long time fermenting. Now, Crusader Kings is a game I always liked. I loved it. It's fun, but it wasn't. But often it had the issue of you know dragging on and getting having the whole uh, snowball problem towards the end. But then a pat a beta patch came out, and it had a whole lot of new events and new flavor and made some stuff more obvious and changed the interface and limited the size of the court so you weren't always jostling these hundreds and hundreds of useless people. 
all pretty important changes, and it really made the game so much clearer and so much more fun, and I played it for days. Like, maybe 230 hours. I have no idea. It was just one of those uh, experiences. That's the last time I can think of a patch that just completely made me see a game with new eyes. A game I already liked as well. How about you guys? I mean, it doesn't have to be a strategy game, but a game yeah, that a I, game I'm... that came out that really were a, a patch, not an expansion, but a patch altered uh, it. I mean, I'm hard. Pre- I was hard pressed to think of that one. I, I I'd have to dig into MMOs, and I feel like that's going into forbidden territory. Right? No, no, just, there's no. I mean, this is an industry problem. This isn't just. Right, well, you know, it, but but I mean, this is something that the MMO world has grasped with both hands, right? Because they recognize that the distinction between a patch and a expansion and expansion. Uh, is very thin because people are continuing to pay for your game, right? So something like, uh, you know, pick any Turbine game, right? I mean, their quote-unquote patches are enormous world-changing content dates with new character classes and new worlds and new combat systems, right? And very rarely do they actually release a piece of new content where it's like, pay us another 50 bucks to get this, right? But that's because... The business model there requires them to essentially be constantly reinventing the game. Right. I, I actually think that's a good thing. Um, and, you know, would I pay for a strategy game that had that same level of commitment that a, a turbine or a blizzard plows behind it? Probably, right? Uh, but, but you know, even in something like StarCraft, we haven't seen quite that kind of commitment. Well, I think I think in StarCraft, I, I think they're they're really on the, um, you know, the the whole iterative patch thing that, that Troy was talking about, where, you know, the people the people who will notice the the effects of these patches are you know, way better at this game than I'll ever be. Yeah, they just, or they just <laughs> they, they've taken the t- they've taken the time to understand it on a much more detailed, nuanced level. And for the rest of us, I mean, we aren't going to notice that the dynamic, you know, between a group of marines engaging a group of mutalisks has changed. We aren't going to really see that 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 encounters playing out differently. There are gamers who will, yeah. and that will change every Terran Zerg match they play. No, I I think with MMOs, yeah, you, you're there with with subscription fees, with, with you know, with, with the persistence of those worlds. There's this expectation that you know the developer is going to keep giving you new stuff to do, new 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 things to occupy your time, and it's going to keep chasing down you know whatever blemishes are on the experience uh, within reason. But you know, in, in strategy, I I kind of feel like there's this. There's this, there's this, there's this ideal where the game's sort of working its way toward an ideal form of itself, and de- you know, depending on the commitment of the team, depending on you know how the game was, you know, what its condition was at launch, you know, games get games eventually get abandoned at some stage along that journey. You know, listening, listening to our sort of underwhelmed reactions to to a lot of these, you know, good necessary patches. You know, PC gamers often lament developers for taking the, you know, one, two, maybe if you're very lucky, three patches and then out, you know, no more support. And I often tell myself, well, you know, if this game could be fixed and people would see how good it is, you know, after after this week, I'm not so sure. There's so, you know, there's the, you know, time marches on. There's so many new games clamoring for your te- for your attention. It's it's a very hard sell to say 
you know, well, well, have you have you tried this game since the 1.302 patch? Have you? Huh? It's that's that's not an easy. It's hard to get people to pay attention again. Yeah, I mean, part of that is you know the game's media's fault, you know, because we're never because right. we don't report on. I mean, we we didn't when I was young, uh, report on patches and how games have changed. It's very rare you have any report and update besides one came out. Um, uh, PC Gamer UK will have second looks. I wrote one of the second looks for them on the last big elemental patch. Um, but aside from... But even then, it's like one game a month um, that they do that. And it's not something that we reported a lot on. It's always chasing the future. It's always what's coming out next. Um, so the patches that come out are for people who've already bought the game. They're generally not going to persuade someone to buy it. I mean, if someone's going to buy an old strategy game, it's because it's on sale at Steam for 5 bucks, not right, because yeah. Not because the 1.4 patch adds Polynesians and cannons that can shoot five tiles. I mean, that's just not <laughs> the way that uh, gamers think about old games, really. Um, you may occasionally have someone you can persuade, and but they'll be doing that on forums, and you'll have to be somebody you know and somebody you trust, and nobody's going to buy a game or even very rarely revisit a game based purely on a patch. I mean, I think of Elemental. Would I have played Elemental today um, if I didn't have a podcast about it? I would have updated it. What I have actually played it. <laughs> Unless uh, you were trapped on an airplane and it was I, your I, only option. I mean, nothing against Elemental. I mean, I wish, you know, Stardock uh, the best, but it's not a game I would have saying, gee, I really hope this game's really, really good now because I really want to play it. It's because, well, I have so much other stuff to play. But we're doing a show on this, so it was my job uh, to get into it. So it's, I can't think of, you know, selling a game on a patch. So, Rob, you didn't answer, you know, if you had thought of a game that where a patch changed your opinion. And, you know, I mean, the answer is, I can't think of a game that with a patch, my opinion has changed. With modder, with mod teams, that's a different story, though. Yeah. I think there, there are, and I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about like total conversion type mobs, like, mods like, you know, Fall from Heaven, where you're, you're right. basically getting a brand new game. Yeah, that doesn't that count doesn't at count, all. Right. right. No. But I'm talking about, like, those mod teams that just sort of look at look at the game as it was released and sort of chisel away all the crap that ruined it and kind of reveal maybe what you were hoping for all along. Like, I look at, you know, I consider... You know, I really did not like Empire Total War. Still still don't, in a lot of ways. Uh, but, man, I do love me some Darth Mod. Um, are you guys familiar with that one? No. no. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so the Darth Mod is this... Just really gloriously realistic mod, um, you know. Th- you know, it's led by um, led by a Greek led by a Greek guy. He, he works with a lot of people, but basically, I mean, he completely reskinned the game, threw out the generic uniforms. Now they're actual like down to you know down to the individual regiment uh, accurate uniforms. Um, you know, it's it's just fantastic. Like the battlefield is so packed with color and detail now, and he broke through the troop cap that, I mean, now you you will swear you're looking at, you know, some of those, um you know, like, some of those steel engravings of, like, Blenheim and stuff like that, where it's just, like, you know, troops all the way down to the, out into the horizon. Uh, that's, you know, that's what that mod did. Um, you know, it was just, it completely revolutionized uh, the experience in the battlefield. The uh, Europa Barbarorum, mod for a uh, Rome Total War. 
uh, you know, completely revamped that game. Right. Um, I, I hated that mod. But oh, but God. but I get your point, right? I mean, the, yeah. the difference between a mod and a patch is is substantial usually. I mean, it's the difference between changing the experience and simply fixing what was broke. Yeah, though, I mean, a lot of mods do, uh, I mean, the Civilization Four. we talk about how great Civ War was compared to Civ Five, but people forget how crappy the Civ Four AI was for a very long time. That, in fact, the final Civ Four AI in Beyond the Sword was based on a user mod for the AI. Right. Um, that it took, you know, the the users dug into that code and said, look, here's a better AI. Let's get it to play smarter. Um, so there, I mean, is that a patch? Isn't this, that's a user-created patch, I think, more than necessarily a mod. Um, and user-created, a long history of user-created patches um, in the gaming community, especially uh, when developer support stops. Um, so I'm not sure the line is necessarily all that clear, except, you know, one is official and one isn't. You know, I was kind of trapped in bad computer hell when Civ 4 came out, so I missed I missed pretty much everything that happened prior to um uh what was it, Warlords? Uh the that first was expansion, yeah. Yeah. Uh and I didn't get around to playing it really. I don't think I got around to playing it until um Beyond the Sword or just just prior to that. Well, but... and Beyond the Sword is to me when that game was at its most polished and shiniest and most awesome. Yeah. Right, but so so when when Civ Five came out, and I, except I heard for the esp- argument, except for espionage, yeah, and, okay. But I'm not saying it, also it was perfect game. I'm saying it's as good as it <laughs> yes. got. It's as good as it got, with the yeah. possible exception of Fall from Heaven too, which was freaking brilliant. But yeah. so, but so what I'm saying is like, when Civ Five came out, everyone was saying, "Well, remember Civ Four was you know pretty pretty janky when it came out too." You know, I had no recollection. I, I had no memory of that whatsoever. When I when I was considering buying Civ Four, it just seems like the the consensus had changed to be, well, no, this game this game is awesome, and I think anyone asking today, like you know, what what Civ should I get? The answer is going to be Civ Four because, you know, in everyone's memory, you know, Civ Four, you know, Civ Four is fantastic. I I still think that Civ Five is fantastic, and if I somebody walked up to me today and said I have a hot new computer, what should I stick on it? Civ Five is still going to be on my list, right? Civ Four has the advantage of probably showing up nearly free on Steam, you know, depending on what <laughs> week you're looking at it. Yeah, I I just I I wonder if if you know if if you don't if you don't provide good post release support, I mean I don't know how meaningful you know those long tail sales are to publishers probably not very uh but i do know that the, you know there are games where if they were when all is said and done patched in decent shape their fans are going to continue telling people oh you should you know I- ignore those reviews that you know are still posted there up on metacritic ignore those those don't reflect the game now you should give it a shot it's brilliant and i think you know that's you know if if the patching process pays off pays off at all from from a commercial standpoint that might be where it's at yeah, I mean that's that we're not saying you know patches you know are useless <laughs> or that they shouldn't be done, but they absolutely should be done because uh, you know it's it's the contract between the developer and the player. Um, I think it's yeah. just, it's just a, a social contract that is too rarely honored. And, uh, well, and and players hold grudges. There there are people if they burn yeah. you, you're done. Yeah, I mean there are people who will not play uh, games from certain developers. Um, I know people who said, oh, they'll never play another Stardock game uh, because of Elemental, and I think that's kind of silly. Um, yes. 
Uh, but, you know, people, gamers say silly and stupid things. If I want to boycott Sony, that's something else. But, you know, because I've made a broken game, people make broken games. Um, and you can't say Starlight isn't trying to make it right. And, uh, and to be fair, unless you're somebody that just absolutely has to play it day one, you wait a week, you find these things out. Yeah, I and mean, there's so many people want to play it that day. And I can understand why, because that's when the discussion is. Um, you want to be a part of that, um, part of that day one energy. And I've just discovered this and done this. And, you know, it's sometimes hard for me to say, oh, stop talking about Portal 2. I haven't played it yet. Um, but so you, you want to be a part of that. Uh, so I can I don't, don't begrudge people wanting to play it day one. But there is a price to be paid for that. And the price is you're often, especially in the PC world, not just the PC world, let's not forget, you know, how many games are released down the consoles that have serious, serious problems. But especially in the PC world, you're going to have to face the fact that you're going to, there's going to be a patch. And uh, you're the guinea pig. Yeah, you help them figure what's broken by what you complain about. But PC gaming still rocks. It does. It, it does indeed. I, be, I, was, I was talking to uh, Tom on, you know, via email uh, before the show. I was trying to, you know, gauge his interest in this topic. And um, Tom being Tom, he was like, well, you know, not so much, but hey, RTSs. Now, there's so many RTSs that have had, you know, great patches. And, you know, you should you should totally talk about those. And he had, you know, he, he definitely made a case for, you know, going back and taking a second look at, you know, stuff like Supreme Commander. Um, yes, Supreme Commander is, I, I mean, I'm glad he mentioned that. Because uh, Supreme Commander is, I mean, I liked it when it came out, but... With its patch support, I think it is not. I think it is every bit as good as StarCraft Two, if not better. Oh damn! Oh man! It, well, there goes that comment thread. Um, <laughs> so here's here's my question to you guys and to listeners. You know, I mean, our time is our, our time is at a premium. I mean, we're we're you know dealing with current work assignments. I mean, I had to take time out from some ongoing reviews to to go back and and revisit these games, and this is. It's a hard thing to justify to editors. It's a hard thing to justify to yourself uh, to to take time out of your you know regularly scheduled gaming to go do recon reports on yesterday's news, games that are evolving. And I guess you know I'm interested you know to hear from you guys and and the listeners. But uh, you know right now I've just got you guys. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do yeah until until I find a way to crowdsource the show, which and then I can finally <laughs> jump your asses. Um, we just do one of those live shows with a little chat window in the side and have people comment. Excellent. So so is it? Do you guys do you guys think that this is this is something that we should continue to be making an effort to do here on Three MA to go back and look at the current state of you know some noteworthy strategy games that we may have talked about in the past. Well, it's something that I've always wanted to do on FOS, on Flash of Steel. Uh, it's something I tried to do some of when it got started, and then, you know, life gets in the way. Um, and, and to and be fair, we still have a pretty large list of games coming out, right? So, you know, what do you what do you throw under the bus in order to talk about something that's been patched? And I think that's the problem with patching in general, is, yeah. you know, Civ Five with a new patch has to stand up against today's new hotness. And not just not just for the show, but in the eyes of consumers. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, this show. I mean, we've talked about Civ patches before and elemental patches. This is kind of a rehash of a show. Um, but I'm not saying we shouldn't have done it. I think it's a pretty good topic because we talked about patches in general uh, and led to a good conversation. But I mean, 
I would like to revisit RTSs in general more. Um, that's something I think we should certainly have more coverage of. And I would love to have uh, more talk about Supreme Commander, because I do think it has become one of the best uh, RTSs uh, that's out there on the market. Um, it was my surprise game of 2010, um, and uh, I haven't played it in a few weeks, but I think Stella Tom mentions should probably go back to it. I don't I hate fire it, it up. I hate it when Tom's right, by the way. He's never right. <sighs> yeah, he is. It's an accident. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's just being contrarian, being yes. right. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so I I don't know. I, I think based on based on the feedback to the show and also just, you know, whatever, whatever you know, items from, from yesterday's release lists uh, still look interesting today after they've had some time to mature and hopefully improve with age. Um if we, yeah, have we, a whole, we just have a hold in the schedule, we just fill in, talk about the patch on, the most recent game that got patched. Yeah, it's it's not a bad idea. Um, it's a terrible idea, but anyway. Yeah, but I mean, you tri- I mean, you know what you know what it's like trying to fill the schedule. Good God, there's 52 <laughs> weeks in a year, Troy. I know. It oh, is there's not, so many of them. Isn't, and isn't there's it so fun? few of us? Yeah, I know. What do you mean, so few of us? You've had no trouble getting people on this show. Oh, oh. <laughs> if you if you only knew the half of it, but anyway, yeah, I will swallow my rage. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, so so there it is. Um, all quiet on the elemental and Civ five front. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we, you know, a few steps forward, um, but not enough to really revolutionize our impressions. Is a few steps forward, but the road looks the same. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but it's, you know, I mean, it it depends how you felt. You know, it, it all comes back to how you felt about that road in the first place, I guess. All right, so that that about does it for our topic. And uh, next week, hopefully, we will be doing a show on the operational art of war and, yes, recent patching. <laughs> Say goodnight, everybody. <laughs> goodnight, goodnight everybody. all.